Life Talk Radio presents Health and Longevity, the program dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge information and interviews that can change your life. On each edition, nutritionist, registered dietitian, and board-certified anti-aging health practitioner, Dr. John Westerdahl, will show you how to achieve a longer, healthier life using the latest breakthroughs in nutrition, wellness, and lifestyle medicine. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Westerdahl. Welcome to Health and Longevity. I'm Dr. John Westerdahl. On today's program, we will talk with award-winning investigative journalist Ellen Jaffe-Jones and her new cookbook, Eat Vegan on $4 a Day. She will dispel the myth that most nutritious foods are the most expensive by showing us how to trim food bills while maximizing nutrition. But before we get into today's exciting topic, let's hear the latest research and news affecting our health and longevity today. Dr. Westerdahl presents the Health and Longevity News and Research Update, bringing you the most pertinent and important information about your health and longevity. Well, here's an interesting article talking about dried fruit and weight control. You know, deliciously sweet and chewy, concentrated with energy and nutrients, dried fruits might not strike everyone as an obvious diet food, Yet surprising new research debunks the idea that dried fruits are fattening. Researchers at Louisiana State University decided that the subject of dried fruit and weight gain had received relatively little scientific scrutiny, particularly given the widespread concerns about obesity. Drawing on data from large-scale nutritional surveys, they looked at the dietary intakes of 13,292 adults and compared those to body measurements. The result? Those who ate dried fruit daily, as little as an eighth of a cup, had lower body mass index, or what we call BMIs. They had smaller waists and less body fat by as much as 5% in a skinfold test. Now, why might this be? For one thing, dried fruit eaters had 43% higher intake of fiber. In previous research, increasing fiber intake helped triple weight loss results. Also, this group enjoyed an overall 20% higher aggregate intake of nearly all essential nutrients, thereby avoiding the nutrient deficiencies that send our bodies the message to go on eating. Moreover, an early study focusing specifically on raisins found that regular consumption raised levels of leptin, a hormone that helped with appetite control. Here's another interesting study that shows that cigarettes damage DNA in minutes. According to the study, genetic mutations are seen within 15 to 30 minutes of inhaling. Now, for all those occasional smokers out there who think that they can get away with sneaking a puff now and then, well, new research suggests that damage to DNA begins in mere minutes after inhaling a cigarette. There are roughly 3,000 people globally who die every year of lung cancer, and 90% of those deaths are linked directly to cigarettes. Scientists have identified a class of toxins in tobacco known as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Also, we call those for short PAHs. Now, these are known to trigger genetic mutations leading to cancer. But so far, lack of research has clouded the process by which this damage actually occurs. 
Surprisingly, results published in Chemical Research in Toxicology show that these changes occur much faster than previously thought. Scientists at the University of Minnesota tracking the fate of 1PAH in the bloodstreams of 12 volunteer long-term smokers found that the substance transformed into genetically hazardous substances within just 15 to 30 minutes of smoking, not years as previously assumed. Study authors conclude the effect is so fast that it's equivalent to injecting the substance directly into the bloodstream. In addition to lung cancer, cigarette smoking is linked to cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, ulcers and cancers of the bladder, mouth, kidney, pancreas, and stomach. Now, the good news is that the sooner you quit, the better your chances of regaining those years you might have forfeited if you kept lighting up. Picking up healthy fruit can help you put down cigarettes while lowering your cancer risk. By the way, bananas are loaded with vitamin B6, a key nutrient helping to support repair of DNA. We'll be back with more after this quick break. Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and longer fulfilled life? Then visit us at healthandlongevityradio.com. That's one word, healthandlongevityradio.com. There you'll find valuable information and resources that can help you achieve optimal health and give you the secrets to longevity. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. It could change your life. Welcome back to Health and Longevity. Do you have questions about nutrition, health, or longevity? This is your chance to have them answered. On each program, Dr. Westerdahl will choose a key question from our listening audience and respond to it on the air. Due to the high volume of emails, Dr. Westerdahl cannot personally answer each question on our broadcast. If you would like to submit a question, please go to our website, healthandlongevityradio.com. Once there, you will see a button to submit your questions. And now, the question of the day. Our question today is, how do ground flax seeds stack up to salmon in terms of essential fatty acids? I've heard salmon is a better source. Well, while it's true that oil-rich fish such as salmon are the most concentrated and most readily available sources of omega-3 fatty acids, I personally prefer and recommend plant sources of essential fatty acids over animal sources. In addition, there is a growing concern of environmental contamination of fish these days. A type of omega-3 called alpha-linolenic acid can be obtained from plant source oils found in flaxseed, canola oil, and walnuts, for example. And to be used by the body, this fatty acid is converted into various types of omega-3s that are found in fish. I recommend using ground flaxseed as a dietary source of omega-3 as opposed to flaxseed oil, which is very perishable. And now, Health and Longevity's special feature, where Dr. Westerdahl interviews leading experts and personalities on vital topics important to your health and longevity. On today's program, our special guest is Ellen Jaffe-Jones. She's the author of a new book, Eat Vegan on $4 a Day, 
And uh, Ellen is a vegan coach and athlete. She is an award-winning journalist and will be telling us about how to trim our food bills while eating an optimally healthy diet. Well, Ellen, thank you for being on the program today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's a quite a title of a book, and I just to let you know that I've been following a vegan diet myself for many years, and I really believe it's the optimal diet for health and longevity. So I'm, I'm happy to hear of your new book, Eat Vegan on $4 a Day. That might show me some ideas on how I can cut the cost a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, first of all, I know you're quite an athlete. Tell us a little bit about, I understand you just did some big run recently. Well, I just did a, a little 5K run here locally in the Bradenton area of Florida where I live. And I came in second for my age group, and I like to joke at my age, part of it is just showing up. But what was interesting about this race, I mean, I usually place in, in my age group in 5K races locally, um, is that this was a new course, and uh, to make a long story short, I won't bore you with the details, but I stumbled on uh, an unmarked um, speed bump, and it was very small but unmarked, and it was the very beginning of the race, and I was a bloody mess. They called EMS, and... Oh. They were sure that I had broken bones, and I stood up and I said, you know, I have never not finished a race in 30 years. I'll see you at the finish line, and I still play second in my age group. And I really was sure I had broken something, but I am quite sure that eating a vegan diet has made my bones so strong. Uh, If I didn't break a bone on this, I can't tell you what a bloody mess it was. Uh, I will never break a bone. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it was people thought, I mean, they were just looking at me like I was crazy to get up and run some more, but I really didn't feel that bad. (laughs) Well, that's good. Now, what age group were you in for the race? Um, I'm going to be 59 on Saturday, so... Um, 55 to 59 age group. And how long have you been doing running? On and off, about 30 years. I started when I was 28, and I actually run faster now. I coach high school girls, cross our local high school girls cross-country team. I'm the assistant coach. Um, but I can usually run faster and longer than most of them. I can hold a plank for six minutes, which I'm told by Rip Esselstyn, who's a, uh, the author of The Engine 2 Diet. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, that's great. He said he's only held one for five minutes, so we're going to have a competition one of these days down the line. But, uh, you know, it's just really been a lot of fun for me. I do it because it's fun, and um, uh, I just really enjoy running to help keep the weight off and uh, trying to look younger than I am. (laughs) Well, you're on an anti-aging diet, and you're in an anti-aging fitness program, it sounds like. And I'd like to know, really... um I, first of all, we might as well talk about the V word, vegan, for those people that haven't heard of that before. Of course, more and more people are hearing about vegan diets. Tell us a little bit about a vegan diet and how it compares with other diets people normally eat. Well, my personal opinion, it's the best diet out there, best way to eat. Um, it means that you don't eat any meat and dairy. Uh, translation, nothing with a face, nothing that had a mother. Um, people do it for ethical reasons, and I think that is a great reason to do it. Um, personally, I do it for health reasons, me and Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton just went vegan recently to save himself from a third bypass surgery. Yes. On the eve of his daughter's wedding, he decided he wanted to be around for the grandkids, and that has been totally my motivation. My mom, my aunt, and both sisters had breast cancer. My aunt died of it in our home when I was five years old. So I've been focused for a very long time, how do I avoid this mess? Because when we used to get together, it wasn't just breast cancer in our family. Almost everybody had major heart disease and diabetes as well, plus osteoporosis, um, Alzheimer's, very heavy on the maternal side. 
So we would joke in hospital rooms like uh, this was our family reunion because all the relatives were getting together and it seemed like it was the only time they did. Or we would also joke like which hospital wing we were paying for with this particular relative's disease. So, you know, I didn't particularly find it funny uh, the older I got, especially when I had children. My parents were so sick by the time I had kids that they were not able to lift my children, let alone babysit them. Mm. So um, for a long time I've been saying I want to be around for the grandkids, too. So it's a very healthful diet. Um, any diet can be healthy or unhealthy. Uh, we throw all kinds of labels out there. But I follow what uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine has recommended, and yes. it's, it's explained in my book, Eat Vegan on $4 a Day, what those um, daily portions and food groups, uh, uh, food allocations look like. And the main reason I wrote this book is because as a television investigative for uh, television investigative reporter for 18 years, I just got so tired of seeing stories on the news that said you can't eat well on a budget, and I would see these 300-pound women on food stamps loading up their grocery carts with Twinkies and macaroni and cheese saying you just can't eat well on a budget. So I got mad, I got even, and I wrote a book. Now tell me, how long have you followed this diet plan? Um, On and off for 30 years. Okay. Um, For most of us, I think it's sort of this push, pull, tug, you know, go back, take three steps forward, and then a step backwards. And when I had children, um, it was a bit challenging for a lot of different reasons. Um, And then after they were out of the house, um, I I was a stockbroker at Smith Barney for five years, and we had a lot of forced meals, working lunches where um, the only thing we could eat or the choice we were given was pizza and what topping we wanted on it. Um, during that period of time, a lot of mutual funds, client dinners, I put on 25 pounds and found myself in the emergency room with hemorrhaging fibroids. And mm. the doctor, the emergency room doctor said, you need a hysterectomy now. And then my OB said to me, go back to that plant-based diet and call me in the morning. Within six months, I'd lost 25 pounds. Oh, the fibroids great. were gone. All signs of menopause were gone, and I never needed a hysterectomy. So that was in 2004, and I haven't looked back since. Well, great. Well, you know, you're an athlete, and uh, now you're on this vegan diet. And, of course, there's, you said no meat, no dairy, but also there's no eggs in there. So it's completely plant foods that you're eating. And, of course, the question that a lot of athletes will say, well, yeah, but how are you getting your calcium? How are you getting your protein? Uh Explain that to us. How do you get that on a vegan diet? Well, I like to joke, piece of carrot cake. Um, Plants, vegetables in particular, have lots of bioavailable protein and calcium. And when you look at the largest animals in the animal kingdom, they are primarily vegans. There's also um, a great website, veganbodybuilding.com. If you look at the pictures on that site, these guys are so muscular. I mean, they look like they're on heavy steroids, but I know some of them, and and I know that they are not. Um, The protein in plants is really quite amazing. In fact, I'm looking at a powdered supplement that I somebody was asking me about this morning in a different uh, on a different program and it's made out of pea hemp rice and chia seed and you know they've actually figured out now how to extract the protein from plants and put it in a powder so for these bodybuilders that's what they're using to bulk up now right. as a runner I don't need to do that um, I will just eat beans which have plenty of protein um, uh, you know, after I do a run or you know before I'm doing one, if I feel like I need to supplement with more protein, but it's just not rocket science. The protein is there in the beans and the grains and the right. grains. Right, and for the bodybuilders, and I've worked with athletes as a nutrition consultant. Yes, there is a slight amount of more protein that a bodybuilder may need, but it's not 
these huge amounts of protein that a lot of uh, bodybuilders take, and which is actually they're doing harm by taking that high amounts of protein. Right. It's tough on the kidneys. Just basically, I find that uh, protein is greatly overrated, and uh, when you look at, as I have, the diet of the Kenyan marathon runners, their diet pretty much follows the recommendations of Dr. John McDougall and Dr. Neil Barnard, whose model I also follow, which is uh, a diet of 70 to 80 percent carbohydrates. Now, if you're training for a marathon, you'll probably need a few more carbs, and it's important when you are not training for a marathon to kind of keep those in check. (laughs) Right, that's right. For your diet, you're following the perfect thing for running. And I remember Nathan Pritikin years ago, there was a very famous runner that dropped dead of a heart attack uh, who used to brag about eating bacon and eggs for breakfast every day. But uh, Nathan Pritikin had a book called A Diet for Runners where he pointed out is if you're on the typical American diet, running may be dangerous. Right, and I, I believe that athlete was Jim Fix. That's uh, right, for which that's who there it was. Is, there is an uh, ID now that is sold by a company called the Fix ID that you wear around your, your, your uh, wrist if you drop dead of a heart attack on the side of the road and there's nobody there to come uh, to, to, know, to know who you are. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of my running friends, unfortunately, do say that, well, you know, I run, so therefore I can wolf down donuts and, yes. and everything else that's junky for you, and it just it drives me crazy because, you know, I just, I, I mean, I try and keep, my lectures under um, 30 seconds, but, um, you know, it's tough because you get close to people and you want them to uh, be around and, and, um, and do well. Yes. But um, I'm also an AFA-certified personal trainer, so I oh, work good. with clients a lot, uh, as well as a Roadrunners Club of America certified running coach. Um, so I do have the opportunity to work with people who are somewhat receptive to my ideas, and they see how well it works for me. And in the community I'm in, um, I actually do look a lot younger than I am, and they go like, well, we want to, you know, whatever she's doing, we want. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, I... um, my doctors, like when they call uh, to give me my blood work on occasion that I go in just to have my, my uh, lipid levels measured, and, you know, they say, what are you on? And I go, plants. <laughs> they like, no, you must be on Lipitor. Well, that's very good. And I think there has to be a distinction, too, is that there's a difference between, you know, you can be fit and unhealthy. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. They think if you're fit and you exercise a lot, that means you're healthy and you can eat whatever you want and so forth. But that's not necessarily true. Um, And, uh, you know, being fit is part of being healthy, but you can be a super athlete but still be unhealthy because of your bad dietary habits. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the biggest challenges out there on, um, you know, as, as many people think, it's kind of a myth out there. Well, if I go vegan, it's too expensive, so I can't do it. I'd rather just stay on my regular diet. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, eating vegan on a budget for someone that's trying to watch their uh, costs these days, you know? Well, here's the 30-second version. Since I was a television investigative reporter for 18 years, I've learned how to talk in 10-second sound bites. But it is beans, grains, and greens, buy in bulk, and uh, cook from scratch. It's, it's really just that simple. Um, the largest pound, uh, the largest bag I have found at the big box store of beans would be 20 pounds. Um, but even the smaller bags, the average cost of a bean is, um, uh, the average cost of beans is about a, a nickel. For an ounce, mm-hmm. so two ounces of beans cooks into about four ounces, and that's about a dime a serving. Now, because I was a financial consultant, I've crunched the numbers, and the cheapest form of hamburger meat is 
30% fat, and that costs about 60 cents. Mm. So if you multiply that out over the course of a week, the course of a month, the course of a year, you're saving some really significant money. And when you factor in the cost of a bypass surgery at $100,000 or up to $200,000 in the U.S., that hamburger that you're buying at a restaurant for $5, depending how many hamburgers you eat over your lifetime, it's really about a $1,000 burger. And that's what I hope people will start thinking about is the true cost of making poor food choices. And whether you pay for it, I pay for it, the government or insurance companies pay for it, preventable diseases are not sustainable. You talk about beans. I remember Dr. William Costelli, who headed up the Framingham study, they asked him about, uh, they were talking about the cost of diets and so forth. And he said, you know, the healthiest diet for preventing and even reversing heart disease is also the cheapest diet. He said beans and rice. Then you complement it with some some uh, vegetables w- with that as well. Right. I even have a recipe in my book, Eat Vegan on $4 a Day, called Beans and Rice, Beans and Rice, because that is my mantra. And when you look at some of the studies that were done before and during World War II, when we didn't have access to meat and dairy, our cardiovascular health in particular was in much better shape than it was after World War II. Well, let's talk about, uh, and I realize that there are a lot of wonderful vegan products out there on the market today. And yes, sometimes some of those vegan burgers and meat substitutes may be a little pricier or so forth. But let's let's look at some of the uh, least expensive vegan foods that people can eat. Well, the main thing would be beans, because that's where you're going to get your main source of protein. Okay. Um, and then grains, so brown rice. Um, millet is a fabulous grain that is very yellow and crunchy and beautiful. Yes. Um, any whole wheat products that are uh, out there. Um, you know, you can start getting into the pastas, but then those are a little more processed and therefore a little more pricey. And Anytime of course, you if, you eat pasta, box, if you eat pasta, you want to eat the whole grain pasta, Oh, absolutely. Too. I'm just assuming everybody knows whole grain all the way. Right. Um, you want the whole grain in its most natural state, which means the outer fiber, the outer bran fiber is still intact. And sometimes that's going to be, interestingly, I've actually compared the price of white rice to brown rice. Go figure. It takes more work to take the outer fiber of the rice off the rice, but it's a penny cheaper per ounce. I mean, we're just talking per ounce prices. Right. So it's three cents versus four cents. Not a big deal. Um, then when you start looking at, at produce, uh, one of the suggestions I have in the book is to shop locally. There have been some studies now that actually show some of these local farmers are cheaper than, uh, than the grocery store and sometimes even the big box stores. There's another group called um, localharvest.org. Uh, if you go on that website, www.localharvest.org, you will find what's called a CSA, or Community Supported Agriculture. And it's got a map of the United States, and you can click on that location, and uh, it will tell you where a local CSA is uh, near you. Where I live in southwest Florida, there's actually two fairly close by, and it works out to about $15 a week for four huge grocery bags full of delicious, locally grown, fresh produce. So that's going to be like, I mean, just all kinds of fresh greens and things that will grow well in, in our environment here. So it's a great way to support the local guys and get uh, almost organic produce. I say almost because um, the organic certification is expensive and the farms don't want to pass that along. 
but if you go volunteer at the farm, you'll find that most uh, most of them are using what are called acceptable, sustainable standards. So it's good to bring your kids there, get them involved in farming to understand that uh, produce comes from the ground, not from a shrunk-wrapped box at the store. And, you know, there's a difference, too, between eating healthy vegan and unhealthy vegan. Maybe you should get into that because some of those unhealthy vegan treats and so forth are quite expensive. Well, it's funny. The kids on the cross-country team tell me, Ellen, Oreo cookies are vegan. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, uh, man and woman cannot live on ramen or Oreo cookies alone. And, you know, I I go nuts when I hear some of these stories about these parents who were arrested for giving their baby a vegan diet. And when you, you know, when you read the fine print, it's, it's just garbage. It's like soy milk and that's it. And so it needs to come from a wide variety of the four different food groups. So you would need to get uh, an adequate number of servings of beans and grains and then, you know, as many vegetables as you can possibly eat in one day, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. Um, And hopefully some of it's going to be raw because you'll be getting uh, a little different balance of nutrition when you eat produce in its natural and uncooked state. Although some vegetables like tomatoes, for example, the lycopene, the antioxidant lycopene in tomatoes is better released through cooking. And some people just enjoy a cooked vegetable more than a raw vegetable. So whatever works best. And then, of course, um, two or three servings of fruit a day will help uh, keep your fiber levels up and and uh, everything, you know, satisfies your, your sweet tooth. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is we're all born with a sweet tooth because there's more sugar in breast milk than any other mammal's milk that's, that's out there. Um, and so we don't lose that sweet tooth once we are weaned. And even if we didn't breastfeed, that sweet tooth is still there. And the reason is Mother Nature wanted to make sure we would um, drink a lot of breast milk so our brains would grow and our bodies would grow appropriately according to our species. Ellen, we just have about a minute left in the program. Tell us a little bit about your book and all that's included in that. Okay, well, um, there are almost 100 different recipes, and I've priced out each recipe just so that you know what the cost of each recipe is. Great. And I have a whole chapter on salads and, and dressings as well, so we'll get some good, delicious recipes in there for eating salads and, and the things that you need to to thrive on a vegan diet. I also have a lot of shopping tips, so you know what to look for in the store. And I also get into a little bit of the politics of why there's no broccoli association, um, no broccoli board, and uh, how you figure out the truth as to what is a good plant-based diet. Okay, again, the name of the book is Eat Vegan on $4 a Day. And do you have a website or something that people want more? Yes, it's www.vegcoach.com. That's vegcoach.com, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, and we'll also post the information on the book on our website at healthandlongevityradio.com. Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on your new book. Thanks a lot. We'll be back with a final word right after this short break. To learn more about the books written by our guests and books written or recommended by Dr. Westerdahl in this program, please visit our website at healthandlongevityradio.com. There you can learn how to obtain your copy of these valuable and informative books. Search each page for yourself and see how you can live a happier, healthier, and longer life. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. That's all for this week. Until our next broadcast, this is Dr. John Westerdahl wishing you the best of health and longevity. 
This has been Health and Longevity with Dr. John Westerdahl, a production of Life Talk Radio. Join us again next week on the same station and time for Health and Longevity. The preceding information on this program has been general information about your health and is not to be taken as professional medical advice, nor is it intended to serve as a substitute for medical attention. Do not change your diet or exercise habits without guidance from your medical doctor, especially if you have health problems or are on medication. Do not change your medications without the advice and supervision of your medical doctor. If you have a medical condition, we encourage you to seek the consultation of a medical doctor experienced in dietary change and lifestyle medicine. And as always, we wish you the best of health.